everyone. This is William Del Pilar, your oh. conservative Latino with my sidekick. Big oh, now you want me to have John. John. Okay. <laughs> it's Big John. Big Girthy John. And with this episode sidekick, our NBA star, Dennis Velasco. And let's welcome Dennis, former writer at ESPN's True Hoops Network, the New York Times about.com, SB Nation's Nets Daily, and the scores, the basketball Jones, but most importantly, he was the editor-in-chief of Nerd Fantasy Sports. But that's not it, everybody. He's also been a contributor at Slam, Yahoo Sports, Hoops Hype, Sports Illustrated, and Fox Sports, and current owner and chief executive of dvhoops.com. He is a father, a fiance, and a coach. And let me tell you, people, he must love that woman because he's been moving all over the country for her. Dennis, how you been doing, brother? Oh, uh, man, I'm tired. <laughs> last that week. big intro, you're tired. Yeah, all last week, man, I was just in the Memphis tri-state area of, you know, Tennessee, obviously, Arkansas, Mississippi, looking for a house, man, because we're moving. We're saying bye to Chucktown, South Carolina. Uh, hello, Memphis area. And we, we found a place, but I'm not going to tell anyone where it is because, you know, I look good. So, you know, I might have some stalkers. I'm just, I'm just amazed that after a successful career, uh, starting out, of course, being an OG sports grumblings contributor back in the day with us, which William, for some reason, keeps forgetting to bring up. I don't understand why. Uh, it always surprises me that after all you've accomplished and you're so witty and urbane, you've decided at this stage of your life to become a farmer. <laughs> I, I don't understand. What's, what's, with, what's with moving out to farm country? I don't get it. Yeah, man, I'm just going to be chilling in a pool, in a house that I can actually afford. You know how it is in New York? It's so expensive. It's, and now great, I gotta... it's great in New York. No, That's the is. problem. It is you know, if you like living in an outhouse and it's considered a huge condo that you're paying your life pension to, and then you die on the dole in New York City on their unemployment line, that's a what a life to have. <laughs> yeah, what a life to have. Oh, what, what, what a farmer perspective to have. <laughs> you know what? I lived in both environments. If I'm single, I'd love to live in the city for a few years. But outside of that, to me, I see nothing of value in the city. But I'll give it this much. That's where civilization grows because the greatest minds always migrate to the city. But the best living is not in the city. You know, so I will sit there and take all the advantages of the city intellectual mentality brings us in technology and enjoy it in the country. And that's you know what, what I would suggest you do. You know what? I'm not going to even, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I got a concession out of you, so I'm okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, because all the warriors come from the country anyway, so the ones that are fighting for actually all this to continue. Like, like Patton hard. said, like Patton used to say, the idea isn't to die for your country, it's to get the other idiot to die for his country, so that's uh -huh. fine by me. We used to be pretty good at that, too, you know? So, Dennis, how, well, first of all, first question right off the bat, what surprised you the most at around one? Uh, the next getting swept. You know, yeah, I can't I argue. I will say this, though. I didn't think they'd win. And I'm a Nets fan, but just being realistic, you know, they haven't had much time playing together. You know, everyone was waiting for Ben Simmons to come back. He, that didn't happen. And you're going against the Boston Celtics, who have, like, one of the best defenses in the whole league. They have consistency, you know, in, in their personnel. They have culture. 
you know, it's about the Boston Celtics. So, you know, they have that winning culture. There's just no way I, I thought the Nets were going to uh, take the series. I was surprised they got swept, though. That's the biggest surprise to me. Well, you did say that in earlier podcasts. I guess uh, I wasn't planning on talking about it, but as long as we brought it up, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, what happens to him this offseason? Do you think he signs or not? Yeah, he's going to sign. I mean, if the, the Nets already invested so much in, you know, KD and Kyrie and, you know, the, the third wheel, you know, it was James Harden now, it's Ben Simmons. There's no way they're going to let, you know, Kyrie Irving just go. And, you know, if okay. he, if anything, they do have him for one more year if Kyrie takes the player option and he doesn't decide, you know, he doesn't decide to uh, re-up and sign an extension, but they'll have him, you know, because there's no way Kyrie's, who wants Kyrie? I, I personally do because I, I love the way he plays, but there's not a team out there that's going to want Kyrie Irving at, you know, such and such amount of his salary. So, you know, the Nets will get him back because Kyrie will re-up at least with his player option. Yeah, if not sign an extension. That. I used to say that, but there's always a team that's willing to overpay. But 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 I'm but I'm in alignment with you. Okay, what about the debacle? Because the criticism that came when it was announced Ben Simmons would not play in Game Four was pretty much along the lines: they're down 0-3. He just doesn't want to play. It's kind of like nobody even believes him anymore. What's your take? Um, I mean, it's tough because it's really easy to make fun of him and say that he didn't want to play and whatnot, but if, and we don't know this because we're not him, if his mental health issues are for real, then we can't say anything. Like if you know anyone that's been through like mental health, health issues, it's not easy. So, you know, for him not to play, if it's legit, I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not part of his family. I'm not his friend. Then you know what? do your thing. If you can't play, you can't play. And it might be just better to start off fresh anyway. Maybe so, maybe so but here's what I will say. Mental mm. issues or not, he could have retired from the game if they were that bad, but chose to keep collecting that paycheck. Yes or no? Wouldn't you do it? That's, that's not the question. Yes, he did collect them. So his he, mental health is not as bad as what he wants um, people to believe if he won't leave the game, but right. keeps quitting and quitting and quitting. Because I'm with those critics now. But I don't blame Ben Simmons at the end. I blame the stupid teams who sat there and should have done their due diligence, which is why I question the mental issues they claim, because most teams do their due diligence and this type of stuff will come up unless it's recent. But And if it's recent and if that's serious, he didn't walk away from the game to take care of himself. He stuck around to keep collecting. What I find disappointing is... Uh, the fact that he was set to go and at the very last minute with back issues, they knew a week ago if the back issue was still cropping up because what he was saying is I'm hundred percent. I feel great. Then at the last minute, no, my back hurts. It's just too wishy washy and excuse. So I don't know what the truth is, but I'll be damned having worked in the mental health arena for a short while. If I'm going to be held back from speaking my mind. I, I, I know I, I, there's one truth here, right? If you've ever known an athlete, right, whether they played pro, college, high school, whatever, do they ever quit playing? No, that's why they're weekend warriors. So with Simmons, you know, if he does have, you know, a debilitating mental health issue, he should retire. He's not. He's an athlete. He's been, you He's know, given so much, so many compliments. 
Dude, you know a mean? single paycheck of his is more than the average man makes a year. So he doesn't, so, so he we, doesn't control so that. So mental issues or not, he, he understands the value paycheck. of the greenback. John, what's your take? My take is that part of mental health, if you have issues, is you may not know that you have these issues and you may suffer as a trigger or... That is true, but do you and, think that's and, the case with Ben Simmons? Yeah, like all joking aside, I mean, it's easy to, it's one of those things that people don't understand. It's much easier to understand a knee sprain, a back, a back, a slipped disc or a torn hamstring or whatever, because those are visible, you know, they, they, you know, but look, Calvin Ridley last year stepped away, supposedly for mental health issues. Yeah, yeah Atlanta Falcons receiver. Right. Um, there was a case of someone who said, I think football is causing this. I'm going to step away. Whether it was whether you agree it's legitimate or not, there's someone who did what you would recommend, William. Like he stepped away. If nothing else, he let his team say, "I'm not coming back. Do what you got to do." Right? He stepped away. He started gambling. Except when he started gambling when he came back. But um, Ben Simmons may not be in that position. Um, now, I'll say one thing: you can never tell in these cases if mental health, quoting mental health issues, is a catch-all for either I don't want to do something or weakness of character. You don't know. And, right, 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 right. And, and I don't want to, I'm not going to say, because I don't know either, but it is, it is starting. Um, it might even be the new soft tissue injury, right? Like after a car accident, everyone claims they have a soft tissue injury. Are you saying that the Nets didn't do a physical before they, they brought him? They did. Well, Look, what, phys what physical I, I, is there you could do for this? Like, I mean. There's uh, testing they can do for the mental. I know this. I used to work in that industry. No, no. I, I, I understand. I understand. I, I worked in assisted living where I used to help people. And that wasn't my job. I was kind of like uh, recruited into it one day. And I had to go over and help somebody. I realized. So they were mentally challenged. I, I don't know the, the proper word, the, the R word, which is all I grew up with. I said it accidentally and got my tail chewed like there was no other. Uh, 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 uh. So I went there and he was mentally, you know, needed help to learn how to live on his own assisted living. But he was devious. I, I came to realize I was a substitute that every worker, caseworker before me actually did all the work for him. He got them to do all the work playing on his illness and then acting the part and when i said no i got the call into the office i said and i told him what was happening i go all these caseworkers are doing all his cleaning of the apartment you know it's like they're training him on day one every day because he realized it that he didn't have to work if he just played it and then pushed it and played dub so that's why i had mixed feelings because i look at him as a human being and I'm like, I see your, your, your issue, but I'm going to treat you like a human being. And that's all I'm saying here is there comes a point with Simmons, you've got to look at, they keep saying this, but what is the real issue? Now, we don't need to know, and we may never know, because we're fans. We're not his family. We're not his workers. Those are the people who are concerned and should know. You know, but I've seen this from both sides and, and I've come to a point in my life where I'm going to treat you as a human being and a human being means not looking and pretending there's something there. If there's not something there to make you feel good to be politically. Correct. I, so I really don't know. I, I really don't know. And I'd rather for me personally, I'd rather err on the side of caution and assume I'll take him at his word. Apparently the nets are taking him at his word. So who, who am I to to dispute that, you know, so that's the way I leave it. Like, you know, now from a fan or just a business perspective, are you better off putting them on injured reserve or whatever the case may be, putting them on the IL? 
maybe. That's a know. question for Dennis. Dennis, yeah. where do the Nets stand with Ben Simmons and his contract and what they can or can't do with them? Because right now, there's 12 players on a team. He's taking up a roster spot, and they're kind of stuck with that contract, right? Yeah, I mean, he has like three years left on it. Um, they're going to give him all the time in the world because, I mean, they traded James Harden for him, basically. You know what I mean? That was the main catch in, in that trade. And, you know, we also have to remember, we don't have access to any of his mental records, like, you know, his therapist records. or You know, we don't know. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's really hard for me to, even as a Nets fan and even as dumb as I can be, it's really hard for me to, like, make fun of him or, or like, doubt him or, or whatever. Because, like I said, I don't know him, <laughs> you know? That's, that's the thing with, like, a lot of fans. They think, oh, you know what? I follow Ben Simmons on social and he replied to me once or some bullshit. It's like, you don't know him. You know what I'm saying? So right, I don't know right. Ben Simmons. Nobody you know knows I mean? him except those people around him. Uh, but fans have a vested interest in their minds. And some fans will take it so far as I pay you 1100 bucks for a season ticket. I have a right to have a yeah, say. Get a life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's not get how they see And this is great newspaper material. So because of all that, this will never go away. My issue is the back more than the mental. It's like, yeah. you know, I have been around guys with some serious back injuries. Oh, wow, well, you know, Tim. But I mean, in the military, working out there, it's some serious stuff. But I've never yeah. seen somebody go from 24 hours to the next day unless he retweaked it. And that's the thing. We never heard anything that Sunday about Simmons retweaking his back just that he was out. There was like right. no flare-up reporter, no nothing. And that was my red flag. The mental issue, I don't care because of everything you just said. You guys brought it up, so I was going to comment on my experience on it. My issue was not the mental issue because that's a long-term issue. My issue was the fact he's coming back game four. And then at the last minute, all of a sudden, he's not. No question, no nothing. And as teammates, there's no doubt, there's no denying the stories from Philadelphia where the players and the coaches were sick of him and wanted to get rid of him because of his lack of playing. Why? I don't know. But they got uh, rid uh, of him. No, yeah. that's that's media bullcrap again. Uh, that's because of Joel Embiid and, and Doc Rivers. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said one report was that Doc Rivers wanted him out of there. Yeah, that, I mean, but that's not, not all of his teammates wanted him gone. You know, like there's there have also been other reports where it's like they actually loved him and they feel bad for him, whatever. So you know what? Again, we're not in the locker room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're only taking it by word of whatever the media puts out there. And we're part of the media, right? So some of us will just write whatever so people can click. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of us will write with integrity. But that's not going to be everybody, you know, and having been there and been you know, been around like, you know, the Nets media, even when they stunk, there are some assholes, <laughs> you know, by my language, but there are some jerks where it's like, man, no one liked that guy. Because what happens is so when there's a presser, when there's a presser, right, we're not able to cover everybody like someone's over at this player, someone's at another player, right? But at the end of the day, we all share our notes, right? So we're all like, oh, uh, let's just say Kevin Garnett said this, here's the quote, blah, blah, blah. And we all share it, right? But there was always this one guy, I'm not gonna say who it is, but no one liked him. No one shared anything with him. He never shared anything with anybody. So, you know, the media, 
you know, you can't always trust it because some have ulterior motives. Dennis, hmm? I can tell you right away, I worked with over 200 reporters in a 10-year period at Cable.com and we paid them. They're all freelancers. Most of them work for legit papers, whether it's the Baltimore Sun, the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Diego Trib but they didn't, the, we didn't make their names public because they were working under the table. My boss can't let me have, you know? The right. first thing I realized about these individuals is that they had biases based on who they liked. Some of the players liked, uh, did not like a coach. All their story, and it wasn't like a blatantly open. It was a nuanced stories where they would hammer the coach or a certain player. And some of the reasons were really dumb. The coach ignored him, wouldn't call him. Uh, they thought there was an issue. I agree with you. I'm just saying what the people out there are thinking and experiences out there. I guess my frustration is certain things are seen as taboo. Well, if they're impacting the game and they become public, it's okay to ask questions. It's the delicacy with how you treat them. And you're right. We were just talking about gab.com earlier and the insensitivity on there. But you can't talk about these things. It's just a touchy issue. My point is simple. There's two sides. It's not just one side we feel bad for the guy. Sometimes those same individuals we feel bad for <clears throat> take advantage of situations. And I've seen that firsthand because it breaks our heart to see a human being who cannot take care of themselves and needs help. And that's just human nature and what makes us uh, uh, different from animals. And to me, that's very important. So uh, I do appreciate those comments in the sense we don't know, because at the end of the day, we don't know. The problem is, and I'm sure y'all will agree, most fans at times just don't seem to care about not, uh, they don't care about the need to care, you know, because it's all about them. And those are the people I think at the end of the day, we should never want to turn our back on. Yeah. Wow. So, so that said, getting back to basketball, <clears throat> I was stunned it was a four-game sweep. I thought Irving and Durant would be able uh, 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 to literally win some games, but at the end of the day, it looked like that defense was too much. Were there any other series that, that surprised you? Because um, I, I think every seed won, every uh, uh, higher seed won. Right, yeah, no, not really surprised by anything else. I mean, that was the biggest one. You know, it's like, well, you can't get one. Come on, KD. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. That was brutal. That was brutal. Well, let's start breaking down the uh, – we can review the, some of the teams that we talked about in terms of how they did in the first round. But let's look ahead to the second round. Now, for the record, the second round has started a day ago. And uh, uh, we'll mention who's winning uh, as we talk about each team. First on the docket, the Phoenix Suns versus the Dallas Mavericks. The Suns are ranked number one in the West. <clears throat> the Mavericks number four. Phoenix took the first game. Now, the first question, though, did the Mavericks do it? What I'm saying is, what kind of Maverick team are we looking at? Because in their first series, did they win that series, or did the Utah Jazz just collapse? Uh, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, this whole season, the Jazz weren't what they were last year. You know, there are reports of, you know, bickering between – Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and that's continued on after, you know, the, the series. Um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? I, I do think probably Rudy Gobert is going to be traded. Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell is definitely a franchise player there. So, I mean, when you have a breakdown in chemistry like that, it's never good. But the Mavs are, they're for, they're for real. You know, they're legit. 
So, you know, they played without uh, Luka Doncic for like the first couple of games, but they have some good players like Jalen Brunson. You know, he's definitely stepped up. You know, they have like good little pieces over there. So that's my question. I would say I would give more credit to the Mavs than discredit to the Jazz. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You mentioned him, Luka Doncic. Now he's, uh, uh, I guess from everything I know, he's extremely smart, able to break things down. Is he enough for the Mavericks to break down the Suns' defense? Or, or what I'm saying is, are they going to need him really at uh, the XL to take this series, or can they just get their normal player? Do they need him to step up? All right. So look at Doncic can break down any defense, except the elite defenses, and that's the Suns. So no, he's not enough to to break the Suns' defense. And you know that team's been together. You know, they went to the championship last year, and I predicted that they're going to go back this year and win it all. So I, I don't think Luka Doncic, as great as he is, he would need more, you know, uh, supporting players, which he just doesn't have against the Suns. I mean, it's good enough to be like a Jazz, you know, maybe cream of the cream. They end up being like the third best team, but yeah. no, not against the Suns, no. Is Devin Booker's hamstring injury going to hamper him this series? No. I mean, he scored, what, 23 points in the first game. So, you know what I mean? He played like 30 minutes or something. So he'll be fine, I think. He's a young kid, you know? Yeah. Okay, what do you expect out of Chris Paul? Can can his – I mean, he's old. Can his body weather a long playoff? Yeah. 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 I mean, his nickname is the point god for a reason. (laughs) He's going to be present. You know what I'm saying? So, It'd be nice for him to get a ring finally. Oh, I hope so. And, you know, that's like part of, honestly, that's part of the reason why I want the Sunspring because, you know, I, I think Chris Paul is easily top five point guard of all time. You can make a case, you know, for him to be higher, but you can't because he doesn't have the ring. Once he gets the ring, then, you know, he has a strong case to be top. Ring you know. is everything in any sport. Without a ring, you can never even theoretically in a locker room with the fellas have that argument about being the greatest because that's just how important a ring is signified. All right. The final question on this series, are the Suns too much or will this be a close series and who takes it? And in how many games? Uh, Suns are too much. I'll let the mouse win one. I'll let them. I think it's going to be the Suns in five. The Suns in five. Big John, you awful quiet there. Any questions for the big man, Dennis? No, no. I, I mean, I kind of agree, too. I think Phoenix is the odds-on favorite. Um, certainly, you can't – if you go to place a futures bet on them winning the championship, they're the, they're the clear favorite. Uh, there's not even anybody close. Um, the only thing that might slow them down is an injury of some sort that, you know, whether Shut it's – Shut your mouth. <laughs> whether it's Brooker or Paul. My question would be less about Phoenix, but – I mean, I think most of us are thinking Milwaukee will probably come out of the East, but what about Miami? Like Miami took care of business. I we'll mean, get to Miami. We'll get to Miami. Yeah. Brother. I think, Miami's I think, underrated, and they came out strong defensively against. Uh, uh, oh God, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Harden. Right. Yeah, they shut Harden down. Yeah, uh, PJ did. Anyway, we'll get to them. Just, just hold that thought. Warriors versus the Grizzlies. The Warriors are, 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 are ranked number three and the Grizzlies number two. So this should be a matchup. And the Warriors are 1-0. However, this is not the same Warriors team from the regular season. It looks like the Warriors are back. 
Are they gelling at the right time? Well, I mean, the key was getting everybody healthy and everyone's healthy right now. So yeah, they're, I mean, they're definitely gelling. And even though they were with the three seed, they could have easily won the two seed, but they were, they just, you know, they're like, you know what? We don't care what seed we're in. We just want to make the playoffs and just like bust ass. And you know, that's what they've been doing. That's a sign of championship mentality. Okay. Uh, do the Grizzlies have enough perimeter perimeter shooting to push back against the Warriors' small lineup? Oh, definitely. You know, you got Desmond Bain, you got Dylan Brooks. Uh, not in game two because he attacked Gary Payton, you know, junior and was ejected from the game. But, yeah. you know, they definitely have some shooters, you know. And that's what you need when you have a player like John Morant, someone who always attacks the rim. You know, he can, like, draw two defenders and kick it, you know, for an outside J. So they definitely have the shooters. And as far as like the small lineup for the Golden State Warriors, I mean, they're freaking dogs. You know, they all like gang rebound. Gary Payton is looking to block shots. It's it's ridiculous. So even though they're smaller, they're like foaming at the mouth. Like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's, that's true. And like I said, that's a championship mentality, the way that they look at it. All right, they came from behind in game one of round two with despite uh, a green Draymond Green being ejected. I mean, in seeing that and then seeing how they're, they're starting to gel, they're injury free. I'm like, is this even going to be a close series? Is the combo of Curry and Green just too much to overcome for them, uh, for, for, for the Grizzlies here? Um, Are they too young, the Grizzlies also? Yeah, that's what's going to do them. And I think it's just going to be the inexperience. I mean, when you have, you know, champions and Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steve Kerr. It's tough, you know, because they know all the little tricks and they know what they have to do mentally. They know how to prepare. You know, when you're a young team like the Grizzlies, you know, that experience, I'll say it like this. So when I was younger, I played ball a lot, obviously. And whenever we played old men and we were all athletes, like we were all dunking, we're doing all this stuff. Whenever we played old men, we would get destroyed. And the reason why was because they know how to move without the ball. They know when to take their shots. They know how to find the open space. They're always coming to the hoop. They're always looking to pass. Uh, it's kind of like Team that. Ball. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like this. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, think about it. Big John. Yeah. Jordan Poole reminded me of Robert Horry coming off the bench, throwing down 31 points with nine assists in game one after Green got, got ejected. And, when, and seeing that, I'm like, this is just too much. This team just, this is a team no one wants to play right now that can just come in and legitimately smack every team in this playoff down and take the championship. And we haven't talked about them until today in the sense of us, because every conversation we've had, we kind of like have hardly mentioned them, but they are back and they are, for real. So I'm assuming you're going to agree, but who takes a series and in how many games? But before you answer, Big John, I interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I was just going to, I do agree with you guys. And I do think uh, the Grizz are, are a good, a good young team coming up. And I, and I, I think they have, you know, they're going to be a team to watch if they could keep that core together. Uh, one of the other advantages, like Dennis talked about the experience, knowing how to move with and his past, like, look, I, when we played the younger kids at some point, you know, like you had to rely on the old veteran tricks, like, you know, like stepping on somebody's big toe when the ref wasn't looking or, you know, like keeping your foot on top of theirs when they went up for a rebound, you know, there's all these little things that you get with experience in any sport. 
But right. I think, but I think importantly in this thing, if you're a young team going up against veterans, the reps aren't going to give you any calls either. That's the other thing. Like the reps tend to favor the veterans, like whether they do it consciously or subconsciously, you know, if you're a rookie, you're not going to get the call. You, you have to earn those calls, you know, the, the, the tight calls. So that's the other thing they got working against them too. You know, it's like, we can't ignore that the reps are human. But it, it, it's, it, it's that, it's that in the fact that you're talking Golden State at the end of the day, you're talking about five championships in the last 10 years or something like that. You know, you're talking uh, as a team, they're, they're like a Michael Jordan as a team in terms of the respect and the championships, you know? So yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right, Dennis, who takes a series and in how many games? And it pains me to say it, but that doesn't pain me. But I was I really love this young Grizzlies team, but it's gonna be the the Dubs in seven. I think it'll be tight. Wow, tight series, yeah. I'm thinking five games, four to one. Yeah, it, it might be, but you know, I, I, I ain't gonna lie. It's my you know just because I I love the Grizz so much. I want it to be a series, um, but and it can be. You know, it definitely can be. If they can control, if the Grizzlies can control the pace of the game, um, they can get stops on defense. They they'll be competitive. Here's but at the thing, end of the day, I, I think it'll be the the Golden State Warriors. The, the thing about the Warriors that I find fascinating and envious because I loathe Steve Kerr politically, but the man can coach. He's had a lot of changes of that team internally, and, and with some players coming in and out. But that team has never turned on one another. There's never been, I mean, maybe there is, but public speaking, I haven't read or seen much of bickering and things like that. He's managed to keep them a team with a focus on a championship. And, and that's a testament of, of potential greatness with Kerr, you know, because like with Riley or Belichick, I'd like to see them do it without their star player, you know, before saying right. you have passed great the greatness. Right. All right. Well, Steve Curtin learned from uh, Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. So those are two of the best coaches ever. So, yeah, and Popovich, another one I loathe, but he's a great coach. Yeah, yeah. great the, coach. The other thing to keep in mind is Golden State took the first game in Memphis. Yeah. The game two's in Memphis, and right now it's a tie game heading into the fourth, as yeah. I'm looking at it live while we're talking. And, so, and it's, close, it's going to be close game. If like they the take, close. Yeah, they only won by one. Um if they take the second game on the road, I'm, I'm talking about Golden State, then I think they sweep. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, I don't, if, so. if, I don't think. Mark my words. The Grizz will take at least one. They're not going to do a Nets. My original prediction was uh, Golden State in six. But I think if they take the first two on the road, no matter how close they are, it's probably going to be a sweep. Yeah. I, I can't argue that. It, it, it's, it, They're both wrong. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I, I, I like to see a competitive series. One quick comment before we move on, move on. I never looked at it statistically, but I always got the feeling, in, especially in basketball, because of the way it's paced, how fast they play, the, the lack of uniform. There's not much in between games set to focus on the games, meaning football, baseball, there's so much more intricacies because of the equipment, the uniform, training, the way it's set up. Baseball, it's like like in the yard. I mean, basketball, like in the yard. You get that ball, you dribble back and forth. The reason I bring that up is I've always sensed and I've always gotten the feeling in watching series, momentum plays more important a role in, say, say the back half of the series than home 
field advantage does. When a team, it's kind of like, can the home field uh, stand ground because Joe Schmuckatelli and T-Mac has the momentum. And it just seems that in basketball, momentum is is the killer uh, uh, in the sense of uh, putting your, your your foot on the neck and taking them out. And so, 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 so for example, you're talking about Golden State sweeping it if they take these two games. I wouldn't view that as Golden State going back home. We got the players, the, 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 the home court advantage. It's more like you've got the momentum because you just took this team out in their home court for two games. So you're going home with the momentum. The home crowd just adds to it, but it's that momentum that, 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 that well, will create this week. My point was less Golden State going home because they're a veteran team and more Memphis saying we couldn't take a game in our house. I think it would be more devastating to Memphis than it would be to Golden State going back home. My, my statement was more Memphis will be demoralized because they couldn't hold the game at home in the first Correct. game. So, Correct. so I would, so I guess it is more momentum, but I think losing home court when you're a young team like that, it's difficult to overcome because even though everyone talks it's, about it's difficult to regain what John confidence, momentum, yeah. momentum <laughs> and confidence. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or, that's my whole or, point. or it can be something like, you know what? Let's bear down. We got nothing to lose. We're a young team. Everyone's ridden us off, you know? So we got nothing to lose. And basketball is a game of runs. So yes, if you, that's if true. You, if you put the runs in, you know, in a game, I mean, all you have to do is win one. That's right. Win one and you get the runs. How's that how it works, Dennis? <laughs> well, I mean, here it is. It's like this, you know, it's, you know, I have this saying, last play, next play. Right, so you missed your shot, play defense. You know, you turn the ball over, play defense. You know, your man blew by you, get back and recover. Help defense. You know what I mean? So. What's it, that saying? The camera? That. that is Coach Dennis there talking. Your whole body language, your whole momentum just shifted into coach mode. You can see that. That was oh, great, yeah. Dennis. Oh, yeah. That was great. Uh, uh, because that's what's that's what needed, and that's what's needed in life. You got to, like you said, everything you said doesn't apply just to basketball, but in life, it's not how hard you get knocked down. Because we all get knocked down. It's do we get up? Mm-hmm. All right, enough life philosophy from Dennis Velasco. Let's get to the NBA playoffs and the East breakdowns. Those games were the West. Let's move to the East. The Heat, ranked number one, getting no love versus the 76ers, and Damn it, I did not write what they were ranked. What are they, ranked third or fourth going into the, I don't know, sixth, something, something like that? Miami? Yeah, no, 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 76ers. Fourth. Fourth, okay. The Heat were ranked number one in the East, the 76ers number four. The Heat took game one first, and the question on everybody's mind, can the Sixers survive without Joe, how do you say that, Embiid? Embiid. Embiid. Embiid, that's what I Embiid. So he, that, that's not, that's foreign, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, from Cameroon, I think. Yeah. I was about to say, don't say Russia. I, I feel for the guy. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so can the Sixers survive without Joel Embiid? No. <laughs> no, because, like, everything goes through him. He's, I mean, he's an MVP candidate, you know, for a reason. You know, if you look at his usage rate and how much of the offense or percentage of the offense that runs through him, it's ridiculous. You know, so when you take out Joe B, you're taking away like 40% of your offense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Now, to John's point, talking about the Heat, look, the Heat had Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hedro, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. They bring a combination of scoring, playmaking, 
and defense, literally the trifecta that every coach wants. It just seems to me that it's too much for the 76ers to overcome, even if they had Embiid. Before you answer, John, you were talking about the Miami Heat and no love. You want to touch on that with a question to Dennis? Yeah, I was going to say that I, other than Tyler Harrow, who I think just won the sixth man award, yeah. um, I would be hard pressed to tell you much about the Heat, right? If I'm a casual fan. And I think most casual fans, when you tell them they, they were the number one team coming out of the East, would probably be shocked, right? So to me, they're, I like them as a dark horse because they're, I think they're playing team ball the best. But, Big John, they're ranked number one in the East. They, they're, they're not a dark horse. But No, but that's what I'm saying. They're getting no love. And a lot of times, this is how you could tell. I know Dennis, uh, I'll mention it to him. You could tell they're getting no love because they're not one of the favorites in Vegas, right? Vegas is all about understanding how people will bet, right? Well, where's one of Vegas's issues they always have? And that's when they, it, it doesn't matter which league, it's a small market team. Small market teams never get any love. And for better or for worse, Miami, when compared to the bastions in the NBA, not just counting the large conglomerates like the New York or Los Angeles, but even the cultural conglomerates like Boston, you know, the, the culture and history. Miami's this new team. They got one championship under their belt, or was one or two under their belt, but they're in they're in a city that is that is known more for Latino love, food, and salsa as much as it may be for basketball, meaning it's not a city that's going to get a lot of play. And yeah, I Vegas, think that's what you're seeing. And even no, Vegas doesn't account for that at all. No, time. no, no. Vegas doesn't care about any of that. Vegas just cares oh, about one – Vegas just cares about one thing. When they set a line, they're trying to do one thing and one thing only. They're trying to get half the people to bet with it and half the people to bet against it. That's the goal of every line in Vegas, right? They want half the people on one side because Vegas makes money off the what? The VIG. That's all they make money off of, right? So when, when Vegas says, we got to keep upping the odds on Miami to win it all, that's because nobody is betting Miami. Nobody. So and that's take, the byproduct of fans not knowing about Miami. Yes. Again, everything not, I just said. It's so not, it may not Vegas. apply to Vegas, but it applies to the fans. Right, exactly. And that's my point, that they're not getting fan love. So, Dennis, I guess my question to you is, with your, with your analyst blinders on, uh, I know you're not ignoring Miami because you're not a casual fan. Mm -mm. You're a professional. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are... How, how much chance do you give for this team? Let me make it easy. Can they make the finals? We already know you think Phoenix is going to take it all. Do you think it'll be a Phoenix-Miami finals? What are the odds of that? No, no. I think they'll make the Eastern Conference finals and play against the Bucs. And the only reason why I take the Bucs over the Heat is because the Bucs have the experience. They're the defending champions, right? And they basically have their whole roster from – last year other than pj tucker you know back but even without pj tucker you know you have other players stepping up so you know i, I think with miami you know yeah i mentioned jimmy butler number one of course tyler harrow you know and bam you know who should have been uh, a candidate for defensive player of the year but um it's it's a good team you know and they do have tradition basketball wise that they, they've had pat riley there for a while 
You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, the Heat have been around what 20, 30 years top. They're not like an institution there. You know, it's uh, kind of like uh, 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 what other team is there new? Uh, 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 like the Charlotte Hornets. They came in with the Hornets. Yeah, um, but and the Charlotte I mean, Hornets play in basketball country. Right, but you know, Miami's—they've always been, you know, pretty good. You know, even when they had like the Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway. And they transitioned to having like Shaq and D Wade. I mean, you know, they've always been kind of consistent. Oh, yeah, yeah. But being good has nothing to do with how a city accepts you or how the nation looks at you in terms of the perception, you know, because that's always the case. San Diego had a couple of good teams, went to the World Series and then got whacked by the Yankees both times, I mean. But the point is they were playing better baseball than fans thought they could because they don't think of it. And that's what I'm talking about Miami, the perception. When you look at, when you think Miami, when you think New York City, you think of everything from the sports and football to the Knicks, the Broadway. When you think Miami, you're not really thinking. You're thinking more salsa, more Latino, more yeah. Cuban, more things like that. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, that's all. I think it could change, especially with the youth, because a lot of the like, youth, like when you look at the fashion, a lot of it's like the colors of the Miami Heat, like with the pink and the blue yeah. and even the font and all that. So it could change, you know, that way, because, you know, they're, they're basically their style is, you know, grabbing the attention of, you know, young, young people. Um, you know, what always changes it is winning. If they can just keep winning, they will carve out their right. niche. Well, I mean, they yeah. went to the NBA finals a few years ago and lost to the Los Angeles Lakers in the bubble. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I'm talking about over the years and decades. Like they had like the chargers. They're not winners, you know? Yeah. And one reason they left town was, they couldn't get the fan support nor the fan support to have a, a new stadium built because you're it's simple. Life is simple. If you win, the fans will come. But when your tickets are already expensive and you lose, you're and you don't have see when you're when you're born, you guys know this better than I do. When you're born in New York City, you're born and you're already told by family you're a Giants fan or you're a Jets fan. So it just starts from the get go. And that's it's like San Diego. A lot of uh, uh, people come out here and retire, so they don't have that tie. Same thing with Florida. A lot of people, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying these are factors that help lead to create a perception of a team, regardless of how they play. But let's get back to the series again real quick. And, and my take on it is I would agree with Dennis with one caveat. The uh, Bucks are going to be in a battle with the Celtics. So uh, – Let's see how they come out of that series for series first before crowning them as the consensus to make it. Technically, they should, but the heat is no joke. Listen to this. James Harden's usage rate during his MVP season was 36.1%, 40.5% the following year. In game one against the Heat, it was 26.3%. Uh, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes here, Dennis, but... His previous teammate, P.J. Tucker, practiced against him daily. He's now on the Heat, and that's who the Heat uh, uh, stuck on him for literally the whole game. You're going to take this guy out. And it appears he was successful. And for the audience, usage rate is the percent of your team's possessions that you shoot, draw a foul, or commit a turnover. So I just translate that as you're the man, you know, uh, for that team at that moment. And uh, uh, any thoughts on that in terms of what we've been talking about? Uh, because throw away the perception of how we view the fans and the, the legacy and all that. But this team today, Harden is not the player he used to be. But the fact that they can do this to him and with the power they have, 
I don't think they're being underrated by uh, 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 aficionados of the game, such as yourself. What's your take? Well, I mean, to hear that, and I knew this, but to hear like Harden's usage rate was, you know, relatively low, especially without Embiid playing, that's surprising. It's sort of like he doesn't want to shoot. I think 20 shots or something, or maybe not even 20 shots uh, in, in game one. I think he had maybe 14. Um, but he's not the man. He's not going to be the man anywhere ever again. He's not going to be Houston James Harden. You know what I mean? So playing with Joel Embiid is, is perfect. But even Joel Embiid called him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Joel Embiid does not play around. So, you know, Harden's in good company with Ben Simmons as far as that goes. Um, but I, I don't know. Harden, I, I used to like, really like him. I thought he was, like, one of the best offensive players ever. And he still is. And you look at his body of work. But right now, he's just not doing it for the Sixers. And if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm pissed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yo, we brought you here to be the man when the man is not here. You got to help the helper. You know, you're not doing anything. So, and, and Anna, do you agree with this statement? An analyst said that he's no longer all NBA and pretty much described him now in this series, at least, or in the playoffs, as a role playing guard. Well, you can't say he's just a role player. I mean, you no, know, he's still a star. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's still a star. He's not a superstar. You know what I mean? So, it's more that he's just a lesser of than nothing, you know what I mean? So Harden should Sixers, be doing a lot better. And the Sixers are stuck with that contract that he can pick up next year, right? And he's going to pick it up. I mean, here's the thing. If they, if he only picks up that one year and then let him go, that's awesome for them. But they traded for him with the purpose of signing him to multiple years. Now, if they sign him to multiple years, I will crack my butt up because – that's the like when the Nets traded him, I was happy because I did not want to pay for that big contract because he's what 33 years old right now, and you're gonna pay him 50 60 million dollars when he's 38. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, Dennis, in football with wide receivers, they say when their legs go, they go fast. And the, the, the precipice, Julio Jones, big John. Is this what we're seeing with James Harden? Um, and, well, maybe not as fast a drop in the past year and a half, maybe. Yeah, well, here's the thing. James Harden's game has never been predicated on athleticism at all. It's always based on shooting and, you know, fakes, you know, whether it's a head fake into a shot or a shot fake into a foul or whatever. So he'll still be able to score 20 points a game for probably the next three years, but it's not going to be as easy as it used to be. And it might be at a point where he sacrifices team play. Like I need to get my 20, so I'm just going to shoot the ball. You know, he may become a volume scorer and that's it. Whereas he used to be a volume scorer, yes, but he was also efficient and he was able to pass the ball. Uh, you know what I mean? I, his, his best days are definitely behind him. And um, being a Nets fan, I'm, and even though Ben Simmons has not played, I'm still laughing at that trade. <laughs> I would be laughing but Ben Simmons hasn't played. So I'm yeah, like, no, hey. but, but like I said, Ben Simmons hasn't played, but you know, that's all right. I, I'm still laughing because. And his final question on James Harden before I ask you who takes this, but put yourself in Michael Jordan's shoes. I wish. Tell me what is going through his mind when he sees James Harden. Shaves a beard off, man. Maybe no, no, no. I'm out answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what's going through his mind from a basketball perspective? 
Um, I mean, in what sense? I mean, James Harden is nowhere near, you know, what Michael Jordan is or was. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I bet you Michael Jordan isn't even thinking about James Harden at all. Oh, I'm sure he's thinking of every game. I mean, he's he's part of the Hornets still, right? Yeah, I mean, he owns the Hornets, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the Hornets aren't playing, you know, James Harden. So it's the, he's not. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, that. who takes this series and in how many games? Uh, it's gonna be the Heat. Um, if Joel and B comes back healthy, uh, it'll be Heat in seven. If Joel and B doesn't come back healthy, it'll be like Heat in six. What do you think, Big John? I was going to say, I think Heat in six. I think the Heat in five. I think with Joe Embiid's thumb and the torn ligaments and the fact that we're seeing a re complete regression of Harding continually, I think I, I, I'm going to say five games. I think they're going to get one just based on the fact that the Sixers aren't a bad team and, and, and they'll be able to crack that with the Heat, but wow. All right, let's get to uh, who you think is going to make it to the finals and Arguably the team that's playing the best playoff basketball right now. The Milwaukee Bucks ranked number three versus the Boston Celtics ranked number two. The Bucks do lead the series 1-0. First of all. Well, it's tied now. Tied now. It's 1-1. Okay. Yeah, it's 1-1. Okay. It's okay. Uh, were you shocked, though? Uh, you've kind of spoken on this, but from the Celtics' perspective, were you shocked at how easily they just routed the Nets and took, well, I don't want to say routed, but took the Nets out in, in that first playoff series. I guess what I'm asking is, would you say that was a statement series for the Celtics? Yeah, I think it was a statement series more for Jason Tatum. And, like, if you look at the scores, the, all the games were close. You know, it wasn't like they killed them, you know, every single game. But it definitely was a statement series for Jason Tatum. It's like, I'm not a star anymore. I'm a superstar. Because he defended KD. I mean, he's the only guy I've ever seen block Kevin Durant's jump shot. And he did it twice this year. You know, so I'm like, whoa, Kevin Durant is like seven foot tall with a seven foot wingspan. So to be able to do that, I mean, you're doing something right. You're either anticipating right or you're just so locked in. All right. Being a Duke fan, I forgot all about this guy because he was hated at Duke and he was hated all throughout the NCAAs and he was hated by the fans. And that is the Bucks' Grayson Allen. Is he as hated in the NBA as he was at Duke? But more importantly, he's having a great series so far. Can he continue that level of play? Well, he, he's, he's definitely a jerk. No one likes him <laughs> except his teammates. That's the only guy. You want him on your team. That's it. Otherwise, you hate him. Uh, he can shoot. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, you don't go to Duke because you stink. You know, you don't go to Duke just because, you know, you can play rough. So, you know, for him to to succeed even at the NBA level, it's not surprising. I mean, he's never going to be a superstar. He'll be like a really good role player. And, you know, he could do that with the with the, with the Bucks. But, it's just surprising yeah. to hear his name in the news again because I thought, like you, oh, he'll go in, he'll have a nice little career role playing like most Duke players do because most Duke players rarely ever bust out into uh, NBA superstars like some Carolina players have. But it was just curious to see that. Is the Celtics, you'll kind of mention them already, Jalen Tatum playing the best ball of his career. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, it's not even a question. You know, he, he should be first team all NBA. And he, he should retain this level of play for the next at least five years. Now, the Bucks came out with some solid defense in, in, in the first series, uh, exceptional by some. Do you think that they can continue this defense against the Celtics? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how they won last year. I mean, that's what they're known for. You know, and um, 
as long as they have Giannis healthy, they'll always have a chance to win. But speaking of health, Chris Middleton is hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I think they can survive a game or two or even a series without him. Can they go all the way without him? No. You need his shooting. I mean, you saw that last season. He, he had some timely, timely shots, some clutch shots. The team is different without him because he just brings, like, you know, you can count on him. You know, whatever he does, if outside shot, you have faith he's going to make it. Taking him to the rack, you have faith he's going to make it. Playing defense, you have faith he's going to stop his man. And that makes a big difference. You know, I'm sure, like, you guys played sports. When you play with a great player that you trust or teammates that you trust, you elevate your own game. So that's what the Bucks, the Bucks need Chris Middleton to win the whole thing. Okay, so you guys seeing as we were taping this that the uh, Celtics came back and won game two, correct? Mm-hmm. Because my question to you was that game one show the Celtics who were red hot before this series couldn't handle Giannis. How do you pronounce that last name? Oh, Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Yeah. And Giannis. Yeah. What is it? Is oh, that Greek? Oh, Wait, me. it's not a Greek name. I don't know. Giannis is Greek, but yes. the last name isn't. Obviously. That's why I was thinking Greek, you know, Giannis. Uh, uh, okay, so they showed they couldn't handle Giannis. I guess it'll be curious to see what they did tonight to handle it. But my overall question was, can the Celtics defense, unlike game one, do both to win this series? Meaning, can their defense continue their red-hot play against the Bucks and handle Giannis? It seems like tonight they did. But what are your thoughts for the whole series? Well, Giannis still has got his points and stuff. So, you know, it's like... Stopping the other guys. It's sort of like that Michael Jordan thing. You know, you can't stop him, but you can hope to contain him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what you got to do with the Bucs and, and Giannis. Uh, Giannis is just like so crazy. I don't, I think it was on this podcast where I talked about, you know, someone asked if you could take any player, you know, right now to start a team, who would you take? I said Giannis. And that's not even a question because he can get to the hoop. Uh, yeah, he doesn't shoot, but Great help defender, great one-on-one defender. He can pass the ball, rebound the ball, score points, get to the bucket. I mean, he's just a force, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think the Celtics will be able to stop. No one can stop that. But if you can stop the other players, if you can stop a Giroud Holiday, you know, uh, you're, you're going to be good. Chris Middleton's not playing, but if you stop him, Brooke Lopez, you know what I mean? So, well, that brings me to this question then, Dennis. The uh, Bucks have size. They've got three players: Bobby Porter, six foot ten; Brooke Lopez, seven foot; uh, and Giannis at six eleven. Those are, I mean, that's like the triplet towers. I will remember the twin towers of Keenan and uh, I forgot the other guy. Ralph Sampson. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. briefly. Then they brought somebody else in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 God. Oh, Joe Barry Carroll. <laughs> anyway, though, this uh, uh, those are three tall individuals. Uh, can the Celtics long-term, I guess, part one of that, can they handle that size? And in a way, you're going to answer who takes a series and in, in how many games or make it a two-parter. Can they handle the size? Um, yeah, because they play great team defense. So they'll be fine. You know, they have Daniel Tice and Robert Williams. Robert Williams, I think, is like one of the most underrated, you know, defenders in the league. Um but at the end of the day, I think the Bucs will win. I think it'll be a tight series. I think it'll go seven, but I think the Bucs will, will take it and go to the NBA Finals. Well, Eastern Conference Finals first. But. I think this is the series that's going to determine if the Bucs make it to the Finals. If they come out of this unscathed, injury-free, then I think the status quo remains. But they get beat up, and they don't make it out 
100% healthy, I think that not only, I think they're going to struggle to get past the heat as it is, but I think that gives the heat the edge that nobody's going to really be talking about because they may be lo looking ahead to the Suns and Bucks again. Yeah, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? You think I'm completely wrong or is there some truth to it? No, I mean, you can't sleep on the heat and, you know, people are sleeping on the heat. There's no question. You know, I, I think it's just, you know, last, last year, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people felt like, oh man, the Suns should have been more competitive. They, you know, they have a good chance to win. I think a lot of people want it just because it was a good series. You know what I mean? And it would be a good series. Um, you know, you have two teams with, you know, championship pedigrees uh, in terms of, you know, getting to the finals. Both play defense, both have superstars, both have role players. You know, it, it'd just be a great series uh, to watch again. But who knows? This is basketball and it's a game of runs. It's a, it's a series of runs. So we'll see momentum, as you said. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I apologize. Uh, you're right. It was Ralph Sanson. The reason I hesitated is because I know Ralph Sanson kind of crapped out his NBA career. He was yeah. seven foot four. The reason I know he was an ACC guy, Virginia, I think. Right. Virginia's yep. the college. But I thought they brought somebody. I thought another tall guy came in after Sanson to keep the Twin Towers uh, continuing. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't remember who it was. No, I think it was Joe Barry Carroll. Okay. I wanted to say yeah. Charles Barkley or something. ABC. Yeah. But uh, uh, anyway, though, you're right. Seven feet, four inches, Big John. And the guy was. Uh, uh, pajama boy in the NBA. You know, he had like one or two good seasons early on, then kind of like disappeared. It's, I think it was just too skinny, if I remember correctly. Meaning, well, look, uh, height doesn't necessarily mean success or athleticism. So, I mean, sometimes you just need height, you just need a body to throw out there. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, there's been a lot of players who've had the height and who just weren't any good. Um, too skinny, you gotta got some meat. Most of them tend to be too skinny, meaning they had the height. But people don't realize how physical the sport is. Well, how physical the sport can it be, Dennis? Oh, forget about it, man. That's why you see fights. <laughs> Guys, we've got about five minutes here, so I'm going to jump into it. Jerry West is threatening to take HBO to court over their crass and untruthful. And I'm siding with Jerry West just because the whole world of basketball who was involved in that era has come out and said, yeah, Jerry's right. Uh, 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 but HBO is sticking to its uh, guns. Their first statement was it's a dramatization, but their second statement says that this has been researched exhaustively and we're sticking by our guns. Uh, we'll get big John's take. Then we'll close it out with Dennis. Big John, what's your take? Uh, are you with the little man, Jerry? Or are you with the big Goliath HBO? I'm up either. I'm 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 up for being entertained. So I couldn't care less. Um, look, uh, West says he wants to go to the Supreme Court with this. I think Jerry needs to talk to his lawyers. Quite honestly, I don't know what kind of case he thinks he's taking the Supreme Court. Look, it's entertainment. Hey, for the record, America, the Supreme Court chooses what cases they'll take. Yeah, and they don't and they don't take like civil suits either. But um, the, the the whole point is that. Um, Jerry West feels maligned. That's fine. I get that. He can wage his own PR campaign. If he feels if he feels he's suffering in the sense that his uh, income's being impacted, there's libel, there's slander, you know, there's all these things. It's a very high bar to cross, meaning that you have to prove that they started out trying to damage him, that they started out intentionally lying about him, that they misrepresented it as being a documentary instead of entertainment, which they haven't. So there's a lot there. All things aside, I get it. Jerry West doesn't like being portrayed as a mean drunk. 
He doesn't want to be portrayed as the guy who didn't want to draft Magic Johnson. Which most so is that how they portray him? As a drunk? Um, if not a drunk, well, just someone who hits the booze, you know. But yeah. but they just they just had him as a mean asshole is basically the way to do it. Same as me when I read the articles, they had him as an out of touch old country club white guy. Well, what yeah, yeah. Well, they sort of they sort of did that. But like, there's a look. There's a redemption arc to him. If you're interested in story building, and I, I know Dennis and I have both written screenplays and stuff. Like, there's a, they're built. You can see what they're doing. They're building a redemption arc for Jerry West. In other words, Jerry West started out being an asshole. He didn't want magic. What was it, Dennis? He says you can't have a six eight point guard. Takes too long to bounce the ball up and down. With guys like you know, so yeah. they made him out to be a bumpkin out of touch. But already, it's not even the end of the first season. You already see the redemption arc, right, Dennis? Like, yeah, he's starting yeah. to come around. He started to bond yeah. with magic, right? So there is storytelling license in this. I, I mean, yes. It, it may also help me, John, that the lawyers are like, we got to get that redemption arc going quicker. Come on. Now. It was already filmed, right? So it doesn't matter what the lawyer said now. But Dennis, don't you, like, it's, I go back to something Quentin Tarantino said when he, uh, when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was released, like uh, Bruce Lee's daughter said, that stuntman would have never beaten Bruce Lee in a real fight. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, look, it's fiction. Uh, I can have Bruce Lee get beaten by a little girl if I feel like it. Because oh, it's yeah, my yeah, story, yeah. right? Just, yeah, yeah, the it's scene, sort of yeah. the same thing here, right? You're using a real character, but it's within the context of a dramatization. So that's my thing. I, I love the series. I think it's entertaining. I look forward to watching it. I love the way it's stylized. I like the way it's presented. Dennis, I'll let you finish. No, I agree with you. I mean, I really like the way that's portrayed. Going in, I knew that it was a work of, of fiction because I've read about all this stuff. And it's like, yo, he was never like that. And right. you know, this is based on a book called Showtime anyway. So if you read the book, it's a little, the way they present it here is like, wait a second, that's, that's not in the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, um, that's why they say dramatization because they literally create their own storylines in the movie versus the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, I can understand where Jerry West is coming from. And, you know, if anything, I feel bad for him and I would take his side, but guess what? It's too late. This has already been put out there, you know, cause he wants like a retraction or like having the show re-edited where it doesn't show, it, it's done. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he can't change that. Yeah, yeah it's already know. done. Look, I'm you on his what? side. It sounds, like like it's, it sounds to me like it's just the ramblings of an old drunk guy with Jerry West. That's uh, Well, I mean, he's not even a drunk. It's just like, <laughs> It's just a little irony there. You know, no, you know what it is? Because he's, he's from West Virginia, right? So West Virginia, um, it's all about pride. Like if you make fun of like his sister, now he has to kick your ass. It's sort of like that, right? So, oh, you're gonna make fun of my character. Well, I, I wanna kick your ass, but I can't. How do I kick your ass? I'll take you to court or I'll say I will. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Jerry West is the logo. You know, it's like, even though- Oh, that's right. He's right, the logo. Even though we all know, or at least if you read the book or whatever, you know it's all bull crap, but there's a lot of stupid people out there that don't know Jerry West. So they're like, oh yeah, Jerry West is like that? Damn. You know, but no, he wasn't. Now, Magic, well, Dennis, Magic and Dr. Bus being Coxman, yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Coxman. You know, the guys who rode the boat and go stroke, stroke, Oh, Coxman, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what he was? 
Oh, totally, totally. That's all true. Yeah. And like, John, do you know what happens at the end of the season? Like, in, in well, the well, don't tell the audience. Don't ruin it for the audience. Oh, yeah, well, well, we he's not talking about the series. He's talking about the NBA season, right? Yes. Do you know what happened? Go ahead. Let us know. Oh, you don't know? Okay. So imagine Johnson's I, rookie season, right? He was doing great, whatever. They get to the NBA finals, and they win with him at center. I was going to say, him at doing, center in game six, yes. hitting the sky hooks. Right. Which, which uh, see, I, I was – Trying to let you talk about. It. Of course, I remember he yeah. played. He, he played. He played at five, yeah. and um, you could already see this is what dramatic license does. Right, for that's what I'm saying, and that's why they have Jerry West. Like, right? Oh, yeah, he's coming around because like there's been there's been a lot of things that like. So what Dennis is talking about is Magic Johnson as a rookie. Stephen, I remember. I remember when, this. When, yeah, when Kareem. I, I forgot. Yeah, when Kareem was out, not only did he play center at six eight. He actually used the sky hook yeah. as his main shot. And in the series, you could see that sometime before the playoffs, um, Kareem catches magic in the gym alone, practicing the sky hook. And he says, listen, young blood, if you're going to do it, let me show you how to do it the right way. And he goes and they show whether this is true or not, I doubt, but they show him teaching them and and kareem is explaining how it's the most beautiful motion in sports and this and that right and he puts a philosophy around it yeah you know, i love that you, scene. right it's a great scene probably never happened but it's a great well, you scene, never know right? with, with a scene like that they, i mean teaching these great players i mean you rarely hear them talk about it as they get older but they they tend to be some great listeners to to the teachers and uh, except if you're known for being someone who didn't do that <laughs> Right. But, but, but the point is that they, they built that into the series because the stuff they can't change is that Johnson had a play yeah. center and that they won the right. So they, they're trying to well, build don't it for the audience. Not, well, not everybody can put it together like that. Well, the other thing is like, for example, they showed Dr. Jerry Buss now given his sexual escapades, which Dennis alluded to, um, did he actually bang the nurse of his mother? Like, uh, who's dying of cancer right before, you know, like, I mean, probably not, but again, it builds that whole thing. So I'm willing to, to accept it. That's why I don't take as much offense as you perhaps, William, um, because it's entertainment. I, I, I genuinely like the series. Well, I'm not taking any offense. I'm like you, it's fun drama and I'll take a side. Get at the end of, see, this is a problem. I'm an emotional guy, and I love taking sides and seeing this. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't affect my life, then what the bleep do I care? I learned in the military the hard way. If you can't control it, don't worry about it and move on. And that's easier said than done. But that's how life, with, with entertainment and sports, it's easy, you know, because it's like, I didn't get no bonus for losing or winning. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. What's that, babe? Okay, I'm coming to bed. That's, that's how it affects my life. Yeah. Dennis. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Real quick, how's the league coaching, Little League coaching coming along? Little League? What are you talking about Little League? Man, that's baseball. AAU basketball. AAU okay, basketball how's the AAU basketball? It's going great. We were just in the South Carolina State Championship. Uh, we finished second in our division in tournament play. Uh, in the playoffs, we didn't do as well. You know, we lost close games, but, you know, we didn't lose, we learned. You know, as long as we learn, we don't lose. So right. we learned by five points <laughs> in that last <laughs> game. Um, 
but no, it was good. You know, the players are getting better. Um, currently, I coach uh, seventh grade boys. My whole point is prepare them for high school basketball. I really don't care if we win or lose. I want them to make mistakes, you know, because now's the time to make mistakes because you're not going to be able to make mistakes in high school. Your leash is going to be a lot shorter. So you're right. do all the stuff that you, you get all your mistakes out now. You know what I mean? No, you're right. You're and, right. And, and right. listen, Dennis is too modest, but I'll say it for him. He's a great coach. Uh, when he left New York for South Carolina, you would, all his kids would hit him up on Instagram. Hey, hey, Coach D, we're we're still following your drills and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sending, sending sending them, you know. So, I, like, we goof on him a little bit, but Dennis is really being a mentor to a lot of young kids, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, both bo boys and girls in terms of basketball, and I know they love him. And Dennis, uh, to me, short of being getting the love of your own kid and your own family uh that's a testament to how good a person you are not just as a coach but i think as a person uh that that these kids are following you around from new york to south carolina and i'm sure from south carolina to wherever you end up settling uh in your next market um so i i just want to let you know that that i acknowledge that and i think uh you know you know i think the world of you we go back a long way back to when you first came to me and said can i write for you at sports grumblings and i said yes so we go back a long way and i got to tell you i almost feel proud watching you how you've turned into a mentor and uh you know and all you know all, all bs aside and uh to be able to see the other kids acknowledge that cuz i know you've always been a great dad i know your son uh, totally you two are like brothers more than father and son uh, but to see other kids acknowledge that as well just speaks to your your character and your soul. So I just wanted to say that. And uh, before this gets too too gay, I'll I'll leave it at that. So you just made us run over time, John. Just that's okay. Thanks for joining the show. But Dennis, and, uh, all I care about real quick is can you make a good lumpia? Oh hell yeah! Come on, there man. you go. I'm sorry, John. Close us out, brother. All right. Until next time. Don't forget. To join us for the next episode of Points on the Board, visit us at sportsgrumblings.com. Go to DV Hoops to follow whatever Dennis has to say, which is often pretty good. And until next time, peace out, America. Peace out. Thank you, Dennis.